Hi, I'm Samuel. Uh, if we haven't met, uh, I am on staff here with CSF uh, with, as uh, the men's minister and the outreach minister, um, which means that I get to do our events and I get to hang out with our dudes uh, through our men's ministry. A few fun facts about Samuel is that I am crazy good at catching fruit snack in my mouth. Like if you were just to toss it from the back of this room and it was a perfect throw, I could get it in my mouth. Like, it, it just, you know. Uh, no, I, I don't know why, but I've always been gifted in this area of my life. I also run this rising podcast called The Nacho Guys, and I will plug it everywhere I go. <laughs> Anytime I see anybody on Facebook, anybody have any good podcast recommendations? The Nacho Guys. Go check it out. It's on Spotify. Worth your time. Uh, if you love nachos, or if not, um, it's only about 10 minutes an episode, uh, and I make, like, point two cents every time you listen. So if we all listen a, a thousand times, I'm loaded. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you to listen a lot more than a thousand. Uh, no, uh, so I love to do fun things. Uh, I love to try new things, which is why I uh, am Nacho Guide number one. David is Nacho Guide number two. Um, together we are the Nacho Guys. I'd love to share with you some of my greatest accomplishments in my life. The first one is that I, in high school, was a show choir national champion. I know. <laughs> Thank you. I know. I know. It's like took you by silence or whatever. It took you by awe, uh, and you're like, that is so amazing. And some of you are like, what is show choir? <laughs> so I have a picture for you. There it is. This is Samuel um, when he had hair and uh, and uh, could dance. Uh, and I was doing like this move, you know, like oh, I don't know what the song was uh, or what we were doing. I'm clearly doing what everyone else is doing, so you know I was good. Uh, so yeah, we were uh, Shokai National Champions. I performed on a Hard Rock Cafe stage in Orlando, Florida in front of thousands of people, which is what I like to tell myself. Uh, also, uh, another big accomplishment, and this one's my favorite, is that I used to be like incredibly good at Ultimate Frisbee. Um, I say used to be. I was actually invited to play on the USA U-20 team. Uh, this was my senior picture that I gave to people. Like, you know how you hand out senior pictures? This is how, <laughs> guys, this is dumb. <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit this was a poor choice. <laughs> I actually have this because my best friend sent me a picture of this like a month ago and said, what were you thinking? <laughs> um, yeah, so I was on, uh, you can see USA Ultimate. They actually sent me a Frisbee and were like, hey, we want you to play on our team. And I said no, because it was too expensive. <laughs> They're like, but you also have to pay thousands of dollars. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. You should pay me. Uh, also, a little bit more about me is that I am an Enneagram uh, 7 Wing 6. So if you, some of you just learned a whole lot about me. Some of you are like, oh, cool, 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 cool. Other of you are like, what's the Enneagram? Uh, so the Enneagram is like a personality test is the simplest way I can put it. And a 7 Wing 6 means that I love to have fun and I love people. And I love to have fun with people. It also means that I don't break the rules. I am a rule follower. If somebody above me tells me a rule, I will follow it to the T. I mean, I don't speed. Um, I completely stop at stop signs. I struggle with jaywalking. And I don't even really know if that's a real law. <laughs> it's like, what is, I don't even know what the J stands for. 
Some of you are not in the same boat as me. Some of you come from a different uh, style, and you're like, you hear a rule, and you're like, that has to be broken. Like, you're like, somebody's like, hey, don't grab any cookies. And the moment they turn their head, you're just like shoulder deep, like getting as many cookies from the jar as you can. And this is great. Like, I don't want you to think this is a bad thing, because you probably are good at setting things up without instructions. You're probably good at finding ways to do things uh, that, that other people can't think about because they always go with the flow. Um, and you probably get into trouble sometimes, which might not be the greatest thing. Uh, but there is one case where we really need to follow authority. And so if you would, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, we're going to be in verses 16 through 20. It's also going to be up here on the screen. I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. We're going to be uh, 16 through 20. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Some of you are going to be really familiar with this passage. Some of you are like, oh yeah, I've heard this one thousands of times. I was supposed to memorize it in a small group or in youth groups or when I was in high school. And some of you might have it memorized. Um, the thing that I really want to pull us into right now is the fact that Jesus calls us into his authority that he has. And the reason that we can really be drawn to this is the authority of the mountain. Mountains are super significant in the Bible. And the reason that they're not, like, as significant anymore as they used to be is because, like, one, we have phones. Anybody have a phone? So if you were to go, like, travel right now and, hey, meet me in Peoria at this place, you would type in your phone, this place, yada, yada, street in Peoria, and then we'd both meet, meet there. But if I were to give you directions and to say, hey, we're going to go to Galilee, so what you need to do is you need to walk down this road, turn left at the mountain, because everyone can see the mountain, turn left at the mountain, and then we can meet there uh, as, as a way of giving directions. Another reason that mountains are so important in the Bible is because God often meets his people in the mountains. So for instance, Mount Sinai is where uh, Moses met with God to get the Ten Commandments. Another case is Jesus, who is God, gave his most famous ser sermon on a mountain. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. We see God constantly interacting with people on the mountains time after time again. And in Matthew 28, there is, it is no different. Jesus uses the mountain one last time. He clo Matthew closes his gospel with a story on the mountain as Matthew is drawing our attention to this. He's saying, before he even really gets into what Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, pay attention to this. This part, this is really important. We're on a mountain. God is here. So we read verse 18 that Jesus starts the Great Commission by saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That is a bold statement. To say all authority has been given to me on earth, that's a bold statement. To make the, the proclamation that all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth, that is a bold, bold statement. And we know that Jesus can make this claim because he, in his life, fulfilled somewhere around 300 prophecies. So prophecies that happen in the Old Testament. Somebody says, hey, Jesus is going to do this thing, and then Jesus does it. So uh, we see 300 different prophecies that Jesus fulfills. And actually, he fulfills a prophecy 
just by saying, all authority has been given to me. So if you open up to Daniel 7.14, real quick, uh, I'm going to read it for you. It says, He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is everlasting, is, is an everlasting di dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. His dominion is on earth and on heaven. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. So, as we uh, keep working through this passage, we go to Matthew 28, 19 through 20a. That's going to be up here on the screen once more, uh, and I'll read it for you here. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. When I was in college, all of my professors had this saying that they thought was so clever, and they all thought they came up with it. It is that anytime you see a therefore, you must figure out what the therefore is there for. It's a mouthful. I'm sure you've all heard of it. My college professor did not create it, uh, though they'd like to claim that. But, uh, so we need to walk through, what is this therefore, therefore? Jesus says, go, therefore. Well, the therefore is what we just walked through. All authority has been given to me. We're on this mountain. God is here. So, go. And then when I imagine this story, I always see so much of an emphasis on the go. And I, I believe that Jesus' disciples would be so confused. Jesus' disciples just saw their savior, their king, their rabbi, be persecuted, be spat on, be, be completely humiliated, to be killed on a cross, to be raised from the dead, and then to be met with again and told, go. We're not going to hang out here. Go. So what does it mean to go? Does it mean to go to a different country, to learn a different language? Does it mean to leave everything back here in America? Uh, does it mean to, to move to a different town? Does it mean to live amongst the least of these and to sacrifice that big, big paycheck? Does it mean to drop everything now and to decide to become a minister in some way? Does it mean to, to drop all your classes and to start studying Greek and Hebrew? Yes. But also for some of you, no. You see, the thing is that we are all on different paths in the way that God guides us to go. Not all of you are going to be ministers, vocationally. But you all have the ability to share the gospel with those who don't know it. That means that we are ministers now. That means that we invite our friends to go to coffee to get to know them better so that we can share the gospel story with them. That means that we interact with people who don't know Christ just as much as we interact with people who do know Christ. That means that our goal, our purpose in meeting with people is to share the love of Christ with them, whether that be completely vocally or whether that be through your actions and through your service. If you hear nothing else, I want you to hear this tonight. Jesus' commission to us, his final sending, is that we go and make disciples in his name. He doesn't give us the how because the how will always be different. And he doesn't give us the time, because the time is always now. There is no pause. There is no study more. There is no wait until you're a better person. There is no whatever's next. It is now. It is, you are always going to be in a step of sharing the gospel. 
In this series, we, that, this framework series we've been walking through, there's been three parts. There's been gospel, there's been community, and now we're on the third part of mission. None of these are more important than another. They are all equally important as we walk through what it means to be the community of Christ. However, the gospel is what we share with people uh, in mission. Community is what we get to enjoy and what we get to share with people in our mission. Everything intertwines. They are not three separate things, but they are three things that come together. All of you are most likely in one of three simple uh, steps that I, that, I, that I call sharing the gospel. The first one is to meet non-Christians. Some of you, this is the reality for your life. You need to meet somebody who doesn't know Christ. This, this was my story. Uh, a large part of my story growing up was that I would be told a lot, hey, you should be bringing your friends to church. It's like, my friends are here. What next? <laughs> like, like, hey, you should, be, uh, you should be telling your friends about Christ. They already know him. What next? Some of you, some, some of us, need, need to be in that stage of meeting non-Christians. On this campus, it will never be easier for you. Because things change. People move. You move. Circumstances change. You, you may feel like you're busy, and some of you, you have a lot on your plate, but this is not the busiest you will be in your life. <laughs> you, you will have a full-time job. Some of you will have families. Some of you will have kids that you have to attend to. And then your friends will have children. Right now is the easiest time to, to get to know non-Christians. You live with them. You have class with them. You eat with them. You share communal space with them. You're in extracurriculars with them. You have shared interests with them. Uh, for instance, some of you are really good at dodgeball. Some of you are really good at soccer. So get in an intramural team and meet some non-Christians. Some of you are really good at stacking cups. Some of you were like out there like, pew, 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 pew. you need to join or start, I don't know if they have it, a cup stacking team here at UIS. How dope would that be? You're like, I started the club. But you all have abilities, you all have skills, you all have something you are good at or that you are interested in that you can use as a way of meeting non-Christians. You may be thinking, I'll have coworkers who aren't Christians or something along these lines uh, in the future. But as I said, right now, it'll never be easier to meet somebody who doesn't know Christ than right now on campus. After you've created these relationships, the next step is to share the gospel story. We've, uh, we've uh, CSF, made this part simpler for you. I don't want to say easier because uh, this will always be challenging as, as it can be awkward, it can be intimidating, it can be uh, whatever it is to you, but we have simplified it down. The gospel story, I don't want to say simple, I don't want to make this too se seem too simple. We have, we've created the gospel card that helps you share the gospel in two to three minutes. Um, we've done this because we know that it's hard. We know that sharing the gospel is hard. When I, I grew up in a, a preacher's family, my dad is a preacher, and my whole life has been in the church. My whole life, like I said, you should be telling your friends about Christ. You should be telling everybody you know about Christ. Cool, I want to do it. How? H how do I do that? How do I tell somebody the entire gospel story over lunch? How do I tell somebody everything that Jesus has done in my life in, in a quick five-minute passing conversation in between classes? This is why we have created this gospel tool so that you have a tool, just like we use tools for reading the Bible, a tool for sharing who God is in the gospel story in your life. And so tonight, I want you to kind of experience what this tool looks like. So Abigail, who has used this multiple times, uh, is going to share with you the gospel story 
using our gospel card so you can kind of see this in action. Life wasn't always this way. In the beginning, God created everything. He created you and me in his image, and God's original plan was perfect. But man chose his own path apart from God's perfect plan. That's called sin, and it left man in a broken world. And I don't think it's hard to see that the world is broken. I think we can feel it whenever we feel overwhelmed, stuck, anxious, depressed, lonely. It's not hard to see that the world is broken. But that isn't the end of the story. Because God loves us so much, because we mattered so much to him, while we were still stuck in our sin and brokenness, God sent his only son Jesus as our Lord and Savior to pay the price for all our sins. Because of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice, it's possible for us to live differently. We can live holy lives that are free from shame and brokenness. We can live lives that are on mission for God and full of purpose. And this isn't how it will end. A day will come when Jesus will return, and there will be a renewal of all things. A renewal of our relationships with each other, our relationship with God and creation, and it's our privilege as God's people to work with him in this process of renewal by sharing the good news as we anticipate Jesus' return. Yeah, that was awesome. So, like I said, this gospel tool does not make this easy. It does not make it so that, like, there's no nerves, there's no anxiety, you're not intimidated, but it gives you a tool that allows you, it gives you comfort, it allows you to share the gospel with your friends in a simpler way. There is an urgency to this. Now, what do I mean there is an urgency to this? Uh, in a book called Campus Ministry 101 by a guy named Chuck Bomar, he uh, writes that students are not training for ministry at a different time, but you are training for ministry now. You have the opportunity to spread the light, to spread the word of God with others on campus. And as a reminder, verse 19, the first word, go. Like I said, not study a little bit more, but go. Not wait for somebody to ask you a question based on your actions, but go. Not wait for somebody to, to wonder why you do something a certain way, but go. When I imagine this story, I told you already that I see an emphasis in the word go, but there is a second part of this. Um, I think that the, God, the, the disciples would be really thrown off by this. I think that they'd be surprised at Jesus. Um, I think they'd be thrown off uh, that they don't get to hang out with their, uh, their rabbi, their teacher, their friends more. But they get to hold on to their community as they go. I'm not asking you to separate yourself from CSF and only hang out with people who don't know Christ, but as you are, as you are holding on to CSF, as you're holding on to the goodness of the church, you get to share that goodness with others along the way. The third step in this process, in the three steps, is to pray about and to discern your next steps. Maybe after sharing the gospel, after sharing the gospel story with your friends, your friend decides, yes, I'm all in. I want to be baptized. I want to decide to do this discipleship stuff, to get involved in small groups and all that stuff. That's awesome. That's a total win. Praise God. Maybe after you share the gospel story, somebody has a few questions. That's awesome. That's a total win. Praise God. 
Maybe they're hesitant. That's awesome. That's a total win. There's no correct response coming out of this, but we have to pray and discern what our next steps are after that. And so an easy way to work through this, or a simple way to work through this, is to find somebody who may be wiser than you to ask questions from. Find somebody who could be discipling you as you are beginning to disciple somebody else so that when they ask questions and you're like, uh, I don't know. Because I got to be honest, I get asked questions and I'd be like, uh, I don't know. And I have to do my research because I don't know all the answers, but I'm still called to go. And so maybe uh, as you walk through this discipleship process with, with your peers, you get to be discipled as, uh, by a, a CSF staffer, by somebody from a local church, by another student here uh, in CSF, in our, in our uh, community. And through that, get to reap the benefits of wisdom and the community of, of the church. This brings us to the last part of our passage. Matthew 28, 20b. And remember, this is Jesus talking, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. How comforting is that? Like I said, when you share the gospel, everybody's response is going to be different. But in every response, Jesus is with you always to the end of the age. When you stand here and sing worship songs, Jesus is with you. As you sit in your classes, he is with you. As you participate in your extracurriculars, he is with you. In everything we do, Jesus is with us. So what do we do? What is, what is the action from here? What is our plan? Well, I want to remind you, step one, go. Jesus calls us to go. Go meet new people you don't know. Go meet new people who don't know Christ. Go invite people into your life. Go invite those people who don't know Christ to coffee. Go invite them to coffee and, and to, to, uh, to learn about the gospel and to share the gospel story with them. Go find someone to disciple you. Go find somebody who can be pouring into you as you begin to pour into others. We, every once in a while throughout the semester, have a gospel sharing training. So we're going to set up a time that you guys can come and learn how we do this. Because it's not as simple, I mean, it can be kind of tricky at first, like, oh, I just read through this card. Well, yeah, but we're going to give you some more tips around that about how to, how to set up a gospel appointment, what you do beforehand, how, what you do afterwards, and all that. Um, and so maybe that's your first step, is to, to sign up for a gospel, gospel sharing training. I told you earlier about my two greatest accomplishments in my life. But in reality, they kind of feel like my two greatest regrets. I spent six years of my life in show choir. I spent four years of my life on the same team with guys from my ultimate team. And however, however long I was with them, not a single person did I share who Christ was with. And I don't want to just end on a downer and say, all right, let's go, there, there you go. But in reality, I wish I could go back in time with the tools that we have here and share who Christ is with them. I wish, as, as I watched everybody from my high school, 500 students walk across stage, and as I thought, I didn't share the gospel with them. I didn't share the gospel with them. I didn't share the gospel with them. I wish I could go back and just be more of a light. I wish I could go back and be intentional with these people who don't know Christ. Don't let this be your story. Don't leave UIS and think, man, I really could have been more on mission. 
but go. Think of your next step. Maybe your first step is to pray and discern what your first step is. But go. Romans 10, 12 through 15 is our last passage. Um, and it reads, sorry, I don't have it marked. If you have it, uh, Romans 10, 12 through 15 reads this. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on him if they have not believed in him? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I hate feet. <laughs> feet are gross. And we have shoes. You go back to, you can think back to the story uh, that, we're, that we're, Paul is writing here in, in Romans. And he says, how beautiful are the feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. The worst thing about people, the grossest thing, how beautiful, how beautiful is that when they are the people who are bringing the good news? How beautiful is your, are your feet when you bring the good news? Tonight, as you leave from this place, you are not just released, you are not just, just leaving, but you are sent. You are being sent to potentially the greatest mission field that you will step foot on. Pray with me. God, would you, would you bless these students? Bless them with opportunities. Bless them with knowledge. Bless them with wisdom. God, bless them with courage. Father, would you open our eyes to those who don't know you? Would you open our eyes to our next steps so that we might lean into others as we are being, as we lean into you? Father, help us to uh, just be your church on campus, to be this community that just, just loves each other so well that other people want to be a part of that. Father, we love you. We, we thank you for being holy and for making us holy. It's in your name we pray. Amen.